it's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. The California report begins with reactions swirling around the horrific Tulare County mass murder. Then we'll look at your local news and weather, before KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller speaks with author Sands Hall about her presentation exploring the controversy surrounding Wallace Stegner's use of the life and writing of Mary Halleck Foote in his Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, Angel of Repose. The talk is 7 p.m. Thursday at Sierra Presbyterian Church in Nevada City. Then Sid Brown with the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation stops by for an update on Western Nevada County's three state parks. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. In the aftermath of a massacre that left six people dead in the small farming town of Goshen early Monday, details remain sparse. The victims include a teen mother and her infant son. KVPR's Joshua Yeager has the latest. Tulare County Sheriff Mike Boudreau struggled to recall a more disturbing scene in his 30 years of law enforcement. What I have not seen is the very apparent murder of a 10-month-old child for no reason. What I have not seen is the very clear assassination style to the head of a teenage mother. That I have not seen. It's egregious. Boudreaux said the brutal manner of the killings indicated possible cartel involvement, though he cautioned the investigation is ongoing. Investigators are still working to unravel the case. None of this was by accident. It was deliberate, intentional, and horrific. Boudreaux told reporters at a Tuesday press conference that the family was targeted but did not reveal why. Five of the victims were immediate relatives. He said the home was known to deputies for gang and drug activity, but at least three of the victims, including a grandmother sleeping in her bed, were innocent. But let me make this very clear. Not all these people in this home were gang members, and not all of these people in this home were drug dealers. Three victims survived the attack. No arrests have been made with two suspects at large. The department is offering a $10,000 reward for information that may lead to their arrest. For the California Report, I'm Joshua Yeager. With this latest mass shooting, a California lawmaker is hoping to limit ownership of bulletproof vests. The bill from Bay Area Assemblyman Damon Connolly would make it a misdemeanor for anyone outside a specific profession, like law enforcement and military members, from owning body armor. According to The Violent Project, which studies gun violence, at least 21 mass shooters have worn body armor during their attacks over the last 40 years. California could soon have a new repository of electric power capable of stabilizing the state's power grid. KPBS reporter Eric Anderson in San Diego says a German company is building a virtual power plant brimming with potential. It's been less than a year since Andrea Divis moved back to San Diego County into a two-story Oceanside home. It's comfortable and cozy and Really, uh, the backyard is kind of my oasis. Divis is dealing with a chronic medical condition. She needs air conditioning and refrigeration for her medicines. When I was in Oregon, I was paying, like, I don't know, $150 a month for my utilities. And now I come here, and on the slowest months, it was 200 and I got upwards of 450 480 Divis saw solar as a solution. She added power generating panels to her roof and just inside her garage, 
there's a sophisticated Sonnen battery. The battery stores excess power generated on a rooftop during the day and uses that environmentally friendly energy when the prices go up between 4 and 9 p.m. We've got sun in Southern California. Let's use it to our advantage. We shouldn't be using, you know, crude oil and all of that kind of stuff. We're trying to get away from that. That Sonnen battery is made by a German company owned by Shell. A modem connects the power storage device to the internet, and that connection could be the bridge to build a power reservoir that could help California avoid future power shortages. We've seen the flex alerts. You know, hey, look, we've got more demand than we have production. I need people to cut back. Mike Teresso works for Baker Electric Home Energy, which installs the Sonnen batteries and solar panel systems in San Diego County. We have these batteries with stored energy in them. That energy could be pumped out to the grid and help stabilize the grid. The company has only sold a few dozen Sonnen batteries, but Tereso says that number could climb dramatically by the end of the year. Sonnen has already developed software that will allow batteries scattered around the state to work together in a swarm, providing power to the grid when it's needed the most. That battery can be so much more. It's not just there for backup. It's not just the stored energy for you to use. That battery now has real value to the market, and you can be part of helping the California grid become more stable and more resilient. Sonnen battery owners get a payment for signing up to be part of the virtual power plant. Having a certain amount of electricity on standby is important for the grid, so battery owners get paid for making their stored electricity available. And if that energy is ever needed, the homeowners get premium rates for the power they release from the battery. Blake Riquetta is Sonnen's chairman and CEO. It's the next step beyond just putting solar on the roof is to have thousands of people have their batteries coordinated, save them more money on their electric bill, should actually pay them for their service and help us get rid of fossil fuel-based power plants. Riquetta says batteries can be located anywhere in the state because Sonnen deals directly with the California Independent System Operator, the agency that runs the electric grid. He says Sonnen needs five to 10,000 connected batteries to have a significant impact on the grid. And the more residential batteries there are, the more they can help. Having a smarter grid that is more nimble, that can balance generation and load, and that can handle the, the difficulties in the grid is, I think, essential for the future. Millions of batteries someday should exist, and this will allow us to, amongst other solutions, allow us to decommission all of the coal-burning power plants once and for all. But whether companies like Sonnen can encourage enough people to buy batteries is unclear. California regulators recently passed new rules slashing the value of electricity that rooftop solar owners sell back to the grid. Officials hope that homeowners buy batteries paired with solar systems to avoid high peak prices. But it's not clear whether the new rules will create the financial incentive to convince owners to spend thousands of dollars up front to install the systems. For the California Report, I'm Eric Anderson in San Diego. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The California Healthcare Foundation, Listening to Black Californians, a new study on how the healthcare system undermines their pursuit of good health. 
on the web at chcf.org lbca. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, January 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. An investigation is underway after a Nevada County jail inmate was found unconscious in her cell Tuesday and later pronounced dead at Sierra Memorial Hospital. On their Facebook page today, the Nevada County Sheriff's Office announced Amy Wayne Morris of Truckee was found unresponsive at about 9.20 a.m. in her jail cell at the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility in Nevada City. She did not share her cell with any other inmates. Sheriff's officials say correctional staff and WellPath jail nurses immediately performed life-saving measures on Morris before medics arrived. Morris was then taken by ambulance to Sierra Memorial Hospital, where she was pronounced dead about an hour later. She was arrested on suspicion of domestic violence by the Truckee Police Department. Sheriff's officials say Morris was booked about 8.30 p.m. Sunday at the Truckee Jail. On Monday, Morris was then transferred to the Nevada City facility. A coroner's investigation into Morris's death is underway. Sheriff's officials say the official cause of death is pending autopsy results. Placer County Water Agency, or PCWA, has filed a suit against Pacific Gas and Electric Company in Sacramento County Superior Court for breach of contract. This comes after news of PG&E's intent to transfer most of its power-generating assets, including its drum-spalding hydroelectric project in Placer County, to a subsidiary recently formed by PG&E. Under a water supply agreement with PG&E, PCWA is entitled to approximately 125,000 acre-feet of water supplied by this project, which is the principal source of water for Placer County residents and businesses. The water supply agreement between PCWA and PG&E was amended in 2015 to require PG&E to give PCWA at least six months advance notice if it intends to sell some or all of the Drumspalding hydroelectric project facilities. However, PG&E failed to honor the six-month negotiation window. PCWA General Manager Andy Fecco says, quote, For more than 50 years, PCWA and PG&E have worked cooperatively to ensure the people of Placer County receive the water contractually obligated to them from the Drum Spalding Hydroelectric Project. While our preference is to continue this collaborative relationship, PG&E has violated our agreement to discuss our mutual interests by engaging in discussions with another entity and publicly announcing its decision to transfer these assets. This reported by Ubinet. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service, another weather storm brings a quick shot of precipitation and wind tonight before showers end early Thursday. Snow levels drop to 1,500 feet with light snow possible into the upper foothills. An extended period of dry weather is expected later in the week into next week. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight rain and snow becoming all snow after 2 a.m. with a low around 33 degrees. Thursday, patchy fog before 8 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy through mid-morning with a high near 44. For those in Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight snow mainly before 4 a.m. with a low around 17 degrees. Thursday, a 30% chance of snow before 7 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 27. 
and in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, showers mainly before 2 a.m. and a low around 39 degrees. Thursday, widespread dense fog mainly between 9 and 11 a.m., otherwise partly sunny with a high near 51. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Mary Halleck Foote was one of America's best-known illustrators in the 1870s and 80s. She illustrated stories and novels for the likes of Louisa May Alcott, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and more. Her work was exhibited at the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago. In 1905, Foote and her husband hired renowned architect Julia Morgan to design their Grass Valley residence, the North Star House. Over half a century later, Wallace Stegner's novel Angel in Repose, directly based on Foote's life, won the Pulitzer Prize. Controversy surrounds the book, and not only because Stegner's been accused of plagiarizing Foote's writings. KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller speaks with Sands Hall, author of the play Fair Use, which explores this controversy. Hall's presenting on the topic Thursday at 7 p.m. at Sierra Presbyterian Church in Nevada City. Mary Halleck Foote had a dear friend named Helena, and she wrote many, many letters to Helena over the years, 50 years worth of letters. When she eventually moved to Grass Valley, she wrote her reminiscences. Stegner managed to find those reminiscences and those letters, and he writes to the family and says, I can see a novel out of this. Her grandparents were astonishing people, clearly. Can I have access to these letters and remediation? I just want to uh, review them. There's nothing that I would borrow. I would never use anything verbatim or anything like that. I'm just very intrigued by them. And could you please also send me that trove of letters that your grandmother wrote to that friend back east? So then there's silence for many years. And then eventually he's about to publish a novel. And what happens in the meantime is the grandson of the brother-in-law of Arthur Foote has decided to take the reminiscences and have them published. Stegner gets aware of this, and this means that the reminiscences are going to come out approximately the same time that his novel's going to come out. So he actually then writes to Janet Michelow, and he says, oh dear, I've raveled together some fictional narratives with, you know, your family, and do I need to actually unravel them? And I have changed all the family names. It's nothing too untoward. And Janet, I think, gives him carte blanche to do what he does. The novel comes out in 1971, and the reminiscences come out in 1972. There is a lot of downright plagiarism, which I think is hard for people to appreciate. But that is a big factor in both those books. So he was not just using the ideas or the events, but he was doing it word for word. If you write a novel based on somebody else's life, everybody does that. It's fine. We can think of some historical novels about historic characters that do that. But what Stegner did that was so very different is he borrowed so copiously from the writing of this woman. This is a phrase from one of his letters, using her letters to bolster the inauthentic portrait I am painting of her. 
That is a quote from one of his letters. And that's exactly what he does. He changes the character of Mary Halleck Foote, who is a very extraordinarily amazing woman who takes life by the horns and just does astonishing things in the West. And with her husband, she camps and she goes down rapids and she's just engaged as all get out. And Stegner makes the fictional character Susan be much more of a petty 50s carping housewife. And it's a horrible shame to watch those slight changes in the way he presents her. But the most upsetting thing of all is that that shift in her character comes at the expense of a plot point that Stegner introduces, which is that his female character has an affair. As a result of that, Susan's daughter Agnes dies because she's been left alone and she drowns in an irrigation ditch. This did not happen in Mary's life. Those people that don't know that Stegner borrowed so copiously from the Foots' lives and from Mary's writings think that he came up with that amazing plot of all those lives. They think all that language is his. Those people that do know that he based his novel on Mary Halleckfoot's writing think that that was her life that she, Mary Foote, had an affair, and that she and Arthur lived in this bitter silence to the end of their days. You're going to be talking about this. Yes, I'm going to be talking on Thursday evening at 7 o'clock to the Nevada County Historical Society. That gives folks a chance to catch soundings at 6.30 and get right down to the Historical Society. That's right, exactly. Yes, exactly. Sense, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. Coming up, Sid Brown from the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation joins us for our monthly A Walk in the Park. I'm talking to you in uh, early January of 2023, and I have to say that the first day hike, although it was not official, there were plenty of people in our community out on January 1st enjoying the trails. I happened to be down at Bridgeport at South Yuba River State Park ran into a number of familiar faces and community members, and everyone had a smile on their face. So we've had quite a few rainstorms, and it's really important to keep an eye on the weather and take advantage of those little breaks that can happen in a day or a day in between these back-to-back storms. I will say that the weather that we've been experiencing, a lot of people say, oh, I've never seen it rain like this in Nevada County. Well, I have. And it's it's lovely. It's a beautiful thing to see. I know that there are people that are experiencing hardship with loss of internet or phone or electricity and power and trees coming down. But in general, I will say in the big picture, this is a much needed respite from the very dry and paltry rain seasons that we've had in recent years. So I welcome the rain. And also, we've talked about this before, but, you know, it's actually wonderful to get out in nature during storms or following storms. If you have good gear and you keep your head and your core dry and you've got good shoes and boots that'll kind of keep you safe on the trails, there's no better feeling than to be out on a trail in the rain. And most of the trails that we have, especially in the state parks, are really well designed. They drain well. You don't typically get 
particularly very muddy. They have a nice base on them. They're typically canted so that they don't collect water. So you can walk on these trails pretty much any time of the year. And that's the beauty of Nevada County. We have a year-round recreational mecca here that I certainly appreciate. So January 1st was a great day to walk at Bridgeport, but it would have been a great day to walk down at South Yuba, the Hoyts Crossing Trail or South Yuba Trail. Jones Bar Trail takes you down to the river just downstream of the 49 Bridge, and the trails at Malakoff are really wonderful to explore. There's over 20 miles of trails there beautiful scenery, the Humbug Trail that takes you from North Bloomfield Road down to the South Yuba River is a beautiful trail, and it will be very interesting this spring because of all this water. There's a great waterfall along the Humbug Creek Trail, so that's a wonderful thing to check out. I would like to bring your attention to a wonderful new program. I mentioned it last time, and it's a partnership that State Parks has with the California State Library and libraries throughout California. And it's an opportunity for checking out a free day-use pass with your library card. I was at the library last week and talked to the librarian about the program, and they have six of these packets you just check it out with your library card, and it gives a um, day-use pass, which is the parking fee, for a full week at any state park that is participating in the program, and there's over 200 of them. That particular pass will work and uh, save you your parking fees at South Yuba River State Park down at Bridgeport or at Malakoff, and that will take one vehicle that holds up to nine people. So, boy, what a deal. Library card, free park pass. So I encourage people to check that out. There is a website and a video on how to get your pass. You can get information online at parks.ca.gov, and that will take you to the main homepage for California State Parks. Each of the web pages for our local state parks also have information about that. And there is a new program or a new information page that Parks is um, managing, especially pertinent for this time of year, and that is a storm alert update. And you can go to parks.ca.gov slash incidents, and that'll tell you what parks are closed or experiencing issues with regard to recent storms. There's a whole page associated with the statewide winter storm effects by county. There are lots of landslides and flooding and roads and trail damage throughout the state, but locally we are in quite good shape, so there are no barriers to park use. Next month, we probably will have been experiencing a fair amount of sunshine, and February is not too early to see some of our early wildflowers, and given this great burst of moisture, I think it's going to be a fabulous wildflower year for Nevada County, so we'll check in and see what's happening then. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, January 18th. You can listen to the extended version of A Walk in the Park on our webpage, kbmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sid Brown sits on the board of the Sierra Gold Parks Foundation and joins us once a month with news and updates from Western Nevada County's three state parks. 
Learn more at sierragoldparksfoundation.org. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Sierra Ambulatory Surgery Center, LLC, providing outpatient ophthalmic surgical procedures, interventional pain management, also surgeries of the foot and ankle since 2006. On Sierra College Drive, Grass Valley, Sierra Ambulatory Surgery Center at sasconline.com and MEC Builds, Nevada County roofing contractor with over 20 years of experience, providing complete roofing services, gutter products, sun tunnels, and skylights. The showroom is at 316 Colfax Avenue in Grass Valley, mecbuilds.com. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.